Why are we calling this casual loops again? It's science fiction related and we liked it. Right, but why is that relevant to casual loops? Explain. It's a predestination paradox of time travel, as in, if you go back in time, you can't alter events to change the future. Right, so causalloops.com was taken then? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. This is a bit more casual, so that's the play on it? Yeah, more casual, that's fair to say. Just to clear things up in case there's any confusion over the causal loops, if you think back to the Terminator franchise when the machines come back and try and kill Sarah Connor, one of their hands is left in the Skydyne factory, and that hand is used to develop the technology to create the Terminators. So it's a historical loop. This paradox actually attempts to answer the problem rather than the grandfather paradox, which asks the question, if you travel back in time, kill your grandfather before one of your parents is born, how can you exist in the future? There's nothing you can do about it, so that's what you're saying. In this scenario, if you hear a friend dies in a road accident and you go to try and rescue them after creating a time machine, the chances are you'll slam into them in your car. It's predestined that those things will happen. Unlike something like Back to the Future, where Marty can go back in time, change pretty much whatever he wants, and as a result, the future he returns to is an alternate timeline, essentially. Exactly, because George McFly isn't a wimp anymore and he's got the whip hand over Biff. I like that. So we're casual loops because we're a bit more casual and causalloops.com was taken. does make a good logo though, casual loops. Shame we can't get on a t-shirt. We have. Have we? Which is on the website. On casualloops.com. Can you buy them on there? I think so, yeah. Well, perhaps if anyone's listening to this, they'll pop over there and have a look. What makes us uniquely qualified to even be discussing these situations like causal loops and science fiction and mysterious things that we'll be discussing on this podcast. Both had careers in technology. We've both written science fiction books. We both enjoy exploring the speculative nature of the world at large. Both lived in multiple countries and travelled around the world and seen weird and wonderful things. How do you become qualified to talk about science fiction or phenomena without experience in it? I agree. I I think the result of that is we are uniquely qualified to sit back and judge these situations. Or at least as equally as qualified as anyone else on the planet. Because the interesting thing about the phenomena we're going to discuss is that evidence rarely exists. As you know, I'm writing a book that has a lot to do with time travel. And when I was looking into it, time slips came up to it. Have you heard of these? I have, but I haven't studied them in depth. A time slip is when you essentially accidentally travel in time opposed to someone like Marty who went back in a DeLorean. Like your example of Terminator when they sent back the Terminators on purpose. But a time slip is when you accidentally time travel. So you're just going about your normal business and you suddenly time travel. Can we have some examples? Yeah, there's actually some quite famous ones. There's two young ladies were holiday in uh, France from England and they were looking around an old estate partially in ruins and uh, they were there with their tour guide and their tour group and they were just kind of walking along and then the whole world around them sort of started to shimmer if you sort of imagine that this seems like a big theme with this so everything changed they got a bit cold I think and the world around them started to shift in, in an unusual way which could happen when this when you time slip so then they've uh, looked down and all of a sudden they're not wearing their tops and their jeans and shoes as they were. They're now in ornate ball gowns. Any of them question this, why it happened? I mean, if it happened to me, 
and I appeared in a ball gown, I would be reasonably alarmed. Well, they didn't mention that they were alarmed at the time as such. They were more confused, so they've gone immediately to seek out their tour guide and say, why are we suddenly wearing these ball gowns? And they've come around and all of a sudden the garden's in full bloom and the everything looks a bit more as if it's just been recently built or is a lot more recent instead of a ruin. And they've noticed that the courtyard area is now filled with people similarly dressed to them, opposed to the people that were on the bus. So they, I assume, thought that they were at some sort of fancy dress party all of a sudden. I'm not sure why they weren't confused by that. I think we can speculate. Did the drop acid? They may well have. It's not mentioned in the story, but I think that's involved. So they've walked up to this group of people in uniforms and women in wigs, you know, heavy makeup. It's just unusual. So they've walked up to this one woman, tapped her on the shoulder, said, excuse me, can you help us? She spun around and they've stood there with their mouths gaping open and said, you look mysteriously like Marie Antoinette that we just learned about. In uh, broken English, (laughs) the French accent, she said, yeah, that's me. They still claim to this day that this happened. Yeah, so they've had a wee chat with her. I guess they had some, I don't know what they, probably had some cakes, some croissants and ice cream. I think that's the French invented the ice cream, didn't they? And just walked back around the corner, shifted back to their normal time. That's usually what happens. You accidentally then travel back to your normal time, usually by being in the same area or it just sort of happens after a period. And then uh, home they went. Hmm. So it's a bit like Quantum Leap, apart from they don't have to achieve an objective for the person's body that they're inside. Yeah, they've just gone back in time. It's one of the more famous ones. Another one is three uh, Cub Scouts. I was in the Cub Scouts for a while, but I stormed out of the hut because I wasn't promoted to Sixer, and embarrassment meant that I couldn't show my face again. Well, I was also in the Cub Scouts, and I actually was quite a big fan of orienteering, which is uh, what these lads were doing at the time of their story. It was in about the late 70s, something like that. And as part of their orienteering, they had to skip through a small village. No parental guidance by the sounds of it, just three boys alone in the woods. And off they went. And they've eventually made their way to the the edge of this village and they've sort of come out in the clearing and spotted it. Unusual sort of a village, not what they were expecting. Everything's sort of a bit run down. There's no roads, no tarmac or anything like that. Wandered into town and uh, noticed that there's no power poles, no cars, any modern technology at all. A horse just wandered by and they've not seen anyone around at all. So they've wandered up to one of the first buildings they've seen. It's a little bit like a house, but there's a sign out the front that they can't make out because it's so grimy and dirty. So they've gone up to look in the windows and realised they're not windows at all. They're very poorly made wooden shutters. One of the boys leans against the shutter and uh, it falls in and uh, he peers inside with his mates beside him. And it's really dark. There's no sort of lights, light bulbs, light switches or anything on. And they've peered and their eyes start to adjust. And in the back, they see a long bench. And on the bench is a, a large, now rotting carcass of a deer displayed out on top of it. And there's a, what do they call those big meat cleavers hacked into it and big chunks of bloody green meat. So it's sitting in this paper ready to be wrapped up and sold to the villagers because apparently they don't have Sainsbury's or Tesco's or any of the other supermarkets in, in this village. And yeah, so they're, they're peering and then all of a sudden they see movement out of the corner of their eye. And for the first time they realise there's a man in there and he spins around and he looks crazy. His eyes are strange and he's wearing a bloodied long apron and he shouts out, What are you boys doing in here? And they've freaked out 
got petrified, ran, screaming, out of the town, back up into the bush, followed their map, and got to the end. Their heart's racing, and they've gone up to the scoutmaster and said, what was with that creepy town? Why did you set it up as a, a horror thing for us? He said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, we've gone there, and there's this crazy man with a mouldy carcass and uh, no technology or anything. He said, what are you talking about? We were just there watching satellite television earlier. It's a perfectly normal village. They were freaked out and they tried to explain their story and no one believed them. So they've then kept it to themselves. And 20 years later, they've gone back to the town. And sure enough, it's perfectly modern buildings. Still some of the original buildings there, but is now modern technology, etc. And they've looked up on the local library and that specific building had been a butcher some two, three hundred years before. So they've definitely gone back in time. Okay, yeah. It's not as clear as the Marie Antoinette one because it actually includes characters, but I can see where they're aiming at. Well, this one had the mad butcher. With the 17th century pirate accent. What are you boys doing here? Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think it's possible? I'm not sure. We know wormhole technology doesn't exist at the moment, but it's scientifically possible in the far future. But as far as modern day goes, no, I don't think it's possible. So you don't think there could be some sort of strange phenomena on the planet that's caused people to time slip? You've never experienced one of these time slips? I thought I experienced it twice in my life. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I'm a Sunderland supporter, which is football. Football is uh, soccer for the American fans. Yeah. I went down to see Sunderland play Crystal Palace, which is a team in London, and it was a night-time kick-off. We got on the train at 10 o'clock in the morning, and I was with there with some guys who can drink a lot. I foolishly tried to go round for round with them, and by the time the game kicked off, I was hammered. There's no other word to say it. It was a very misty night, poor conditions, the game kicked off, Sunderland lost 1-0, the full-time whistle went, and I walked out of the stadium. So you've managed to walk out under the heavy influence of several pints, and you've lost. So you'd be fairly crestfallen already, so what happened next? I was walking along the street, very misty, and then it struck me that I was the only person there. Everyone had vanished. What do you mean, vanished? Well, there was no one on the street. A football stadium around match day is usually buzzing. When you lose and the whistle goes, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of people all around you. I was literally on my own, confused. And then some footsteps came towards me and a figure appeared out of the gloom. And I said, where is everyone? And it was a policeman. And he turned around and said, they're inside. The second half's just kicked off. (laughs) So you perhaps didn't travel back in time at all or forward in time. You were just a little bit too far gone and you've mistaken the whistle for the full-time whistle. Were you a bit embarrassed? Yeah, I was very embarrassed. Thankfully, they let me back in the ground and everyone said, where have you been? And I just said, oh, to the toilet, you know. So now all those mates will know the truth that you were actually in the future. Yeah, I mean, I'm not proud of it, but we've all been there with situations like that. The second time I thought I may have experienced something similar was me and my friends when we were young teenagers, very much like the start of a Stephen King film, we were exploring a derelict factory near our home. It's surrounded in undergrowth, quite creepy, went inside, and we met a man who had hair over his ears, long nose, pointed glasses, and he tried to persuade us deeper inside the ruins. So you've travelled forward in time, perhaps, and met? A time traveller... At the moment, we didn't suspect anything, but we found the man a little bit creepy, so we ran back out into the forest, and then it struck us all that we thought we'd just met John Lennon. Well, it could have been. I mean, do you have any sort of evidence, or or what was your final conclusion? 
it looked vaguely like John Lennon and we'd probably come to that collective decision because it was a lot more exciting than admitting to ourselves that we had a close shave with a paedophile. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be the truth. It could have been John Lennon, who knows? I guess we'll never know. Imagine. Yeah, it's true. So I guess there's a few stories there, a few that I've researched, which I will admit sound quite dubious. Yours, again, I don't think they count as actual time travel. There's no scientific merit in my stories whatsoever. Do we want to give the time slip phenomenon a bit of a an overall rating of fact or not fact? Fact or bollocks. I would heavily yeah. lean towards bollocks. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with total bollocks. At least for now, without further research and pints. Yeah. You got any other interesting phenomenon to do with time travel or anything similar? How about people who dream past events as if they're some kind of reincarnation of the person who is involved in that activity? Have you heard of that? Sort of past lives, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, past lives. I've got two friends, we'll call them friend A and friend B, who have both come up with these type of claims. The first one, friend A, claims that he was involved in the charge of the light brigade. Sword raised over his head, charging on a horse, going right towards the Russian cannons, balls whistling past his ears, muskets firing at him. He manages to get through, starts hacking down everyone who's manning the cannons, and his dream ends. Where did he tell you the story? It was in the pub, to be fair. Yeah. All right. That's a bit of a theme. But he told it as if he was there, or somehow he was linked to this person, almost claiming that kind of bravery. So he believes that he was perhaps there at the time, and he's a reincarnated version of that heroic soldier. I think so. The second one is along very similar lines. It's a chap I knew in the army, and he said when he was a child, he used to shout in his sleep and recollect battles between Anglo-Saxons and Vikings. Two exact details, his parents would wake him up and say, how did you know this? How did you know about shield walls? How did you know about maces, battle axes, all these fighting techniques? It's like he had these images preset in his mind from a bygone era. Hmm. So he's claiming Viking blood. I think he's certainly claiming that it's somehow linked to him. He's not the first person. I actually have a friend who claims to be closely tied and linked to Vikings. He's no evidence of that whatsoever because obviously there's no records of that period of note unless you were someone important. Your friend obviously was someone quite important opposed to a latrine digger. There always seem to be heroes in these stories, don't they? Yeah, that's the funny thing. It's never a man in a pigsty mucking it out or herding goats. It's always dareless fighting Vikings. It's never anything run-of-the-mill. Was your uh, army friend in some sort of pub or mess by any chance when he was telling the story? Probably. It's where most of these conversations happen. Yeah, well, I personally don't believe that there's such a thing as reincarnation. I don't have any actual proof to say that, but I feel that there needs to be someone else making that. I, th I think if you're going to make those allegations or put forward that theory, you're the one that needs to prove it. I just don't think there's any sort of logical way to suggest that, yes, at some point in the past, my consciousness or soul, if you want to call it that, was hanging about killing Vikings. I suspect that these people have probably seen either the film Charge of the Light Brigade or The Last Kingdom or Vikings. These scenes have stayed in their subconscious. They've gone to sleep, they've dreamed about it, and then they've woken up under the bizarre belief that they're somehow linked in history or spirit to ancestors who went into battle. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll be honest, there has been times in my own personal past where I have been sitting up alone, maybe with a, a few glasses or two of wine, and maybe a lump or two of cheese, 
and I might have watched something and then sort of dreamed that I might be in that place but I think that's a direct result of one the alcohol and two me watching something before falling asleep and then uh, having sort of dreams of grandeur of driving a formula one cars and, and those kind of things so I suggest that might be what's happened to your friends I think so. I've dreamed of playing for England at Wembley, going clean through against Holland, and one of the players has dragged me back and I've been screaming in the referee's face, give him a red card! But I don't think that means I'm linked in spirit to some former England football player. What's your rating for this claim and phenomenon? Reincarnation through spirit or whatever? I'm not trying to offend your friends here, but uh, total bollocks. I think so. My friend cold calls in a call centre. If we do believe in reincarnation and you have a good life to improve your lot when you next come back. What kind of things did this Anglo-Saxon warrior do? Yeah, he's not gone on with things as he usually you would expect to improve from there. Was not much, not much of a place for a hero. No. Wasted. Wasted. Yeah, wasted big time. We can put this in the same bin as the time slips. For now, anyway. We just need a bit more research. Perhaps we come back to it another time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't completely discount it, but on current evidence, it's bollocks. Total bollocks. Talking of total bollocks, I wonder if these type of phenomena are actually urban legends that have managed to slip their way into scientific theory of it actually being possible. Like people have shared the same story sort of around the, the area they live in, or perhaps even they've gone global, and it's been accepted that it's happened to, to you or your, your friend's cousin or, or something like that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think one story must surely be global, and it's the one with the couple driving along in a dark country night. The car breaks down, they put on the radio, and there's an announcement that a lunatic has escaped from an asylum. Have you heard that one? Oh, yeah. There's always a lunatic. Breaking news. Yeah. We have to, I think because of the age of these stories, they were first told when technology didn't exist. But if we were telling it now, we would say their iPhones would run out of juice. Yeah, they've got no iPhones, the tablets have stopped working, the car phone isn't going, etc, etc. Etc. The man says, we've run out of petrol, so I'll just hike two miles to the nearest petrol station. I'll be back as soon as I can. The lady waits and waits and waits and nothing happens after an hour or two. Eventually there's some loud crashing on the roof. She's shitting her pants in the car. I'd be shitting her pants in that situation if there was a madman on the loose. Police cars, yeah. yeah. Police cars surround the stricken vehicle, shout on a megaphone, get out, and whatever you do, do not look up. She does though, right? Straight away. If somebody says to me, don't look up, the first thing I do is look up. The madman is on the roof of the car, smashing her husband's severed head. Classic. So why, I never got with this story, why she didn't go with him. Like, the car's locked up anyway. Why would you leave your wife alone in the car? If you knew there was a madman about why didn't the madman just open up the car door and kill her as well if he was that deranged? Why did he make a big grand show of himself? If he's got the weapons to behead somebody quietly without anyone noticing, surely he could get into a car. Instead of grandstanding on the roof. And then waiting for the police. And how'd the police know where to go? They've just randomly come across it. He's just waited there for the police. And she didn't hear the police come at all, so they've been silent. They've silently crept up on a dark car. The police would be all over it, wouldn't they? Helicopters. It's quite unfortunate that moments after her husband's severed head has been repeatedly smashed off the roof, that the police turn up. Yeah. I'm a bit suspicious about this one. Mm. I don't think it was ever remotely true. Have you got any more? Yeah. Have you heard about Handlick? I think I have. Is this uh, with the dog? Yes. A, uh, a woman, again, a lunatic, has escaped from the asylum. Could spice it up a bit and make it a mass murderer from prison. She's terrified. 
she locks all the doors, puts down the shutters, goes to bed with the dog by her side, puts her hand down, the dog licks her hand. She goes to sleep knowing that if the mass murderer manages to bash into her house, she'll have the dog to sound the alarm. Sounds likely. Carry on. <laughs> Completely likely. When you're a kid, you buy this shit, don't you? Yeah. In the middle of the night, drip, 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 coming from the bathroom. She's scared. She's frightened. She doesn't want to get out from under the duvet. She puts her hand down by the side and gets reassuring licks all over her fingers, up her arm. Okay, everything's good. I'll wait till the morning and then I'll go and investigate. Right. So she's gone back to sleep after being petrified. Her dog's licked her hand. Morning's come. She goes to investigate the leak and the body of a dog is strung up in the shower with its guts cut out. Written on the wall in blood is humans like to lick too. Hmm. Well, I've got a few logical problems wrong with this one as well. First of all, how did he get in the house quietly without erasing the dog's alarm and hers? How big is this dog that's just sort of got endless supply of blood that it was dripping all night? He's taken the time to then kill the dog at some point without, again, waking her up. You should think the dog would have made some attempt to stop him. You would have thought so. Unless the murderer was a dog whisperer. He could have been. Maybe he drugged the dog first. So then he's crawled into her room again through a door, you assume, without her noticing. Licked her hand for some period of time. Then gone out and written on the wall, humans can lick too, before licking her. So he's had to have killed the dog, perhaps, hung it, gone in, licked her hand, spent some time there, then gone out, and then written in the blood, and then left. Because it's the morning and she's still alive. It seems a very unlikely sequence of events, especially if he's a mass murderer. Why didn't he go for her and not the dog? If I was a kid and heard this, I would 100% believe it, but there's almost zero logic behind the story. It's nearly as bad as the clown one in the house. Have you heard that one? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go on. A lunatic, <laughs> a lunatic has escaped from an asylum. I know the one. How bad security in these asylums? I think the only guard I know this bad would be my friend Alan. Yeah, anyway, a babysitter anyway. is at home with two kids upstairs. He phones the parents and says, a lunatic has escaped from the asylum. And they've gone, oh yeah, we'll be back later. Have you got any problems in the house or anything? Yes, everything's fine, but I'm a little bit creeped out of the life-sized clown statue you've got in the corner. And the parents say, what statue? Right, so, again... This madman has escaped from an asylum, I'm assuming dressed as a clown, because where would he have obtained a clown suit in the middle of the night? Even if he did break into some sort of, I don't know, fancy dress shop, he's then broken into her house and stood in the corner. Maybe he wanted to watch TV. So he's just stood there calmly. And then what? The story just ends. Another thing wrong with this story is that he must have got in before the parents left, otherwise they'd have noticed this, like, big clown standing in the corner of the room. You would think so. Yeah. It all sounds like something made up to me. I've got to say, unfortunately, I think this, like most of these urban legends, is not possibly true. I think the thing that we can take away from this the most is that they really need to do something about security in these asylums. You got a rating for the urban legends? I think it's bollocks. 